there's going to be some moment yeah. where yes. God shows up yes. outside of my mm-hmm. natural mm-hmm. human, you know, abilities and faculties. Yes. And we're going to make space for that, mm-hmm. whether it's prophecy, healing, yeah. extended worship. When I think about the people that went to those churches, maybe they were a bit overly religious. And I use that term, like maybe I should say legalistic is the better word. Legalistic, mm. right. But they were hungry for God. Welcome, everybody. What's up? To the Vast Podcast. Your. That's what we say in New York. Your. 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 What does that mean? It's like, yo, but you say your. Is that new? Your. Probably like like year and a half. Your. So like if you see your friend down the street. Your. That sounds like like, that developed during COVID. I like that. Yeah. I like that. So all the like youth kids, they just walk around. Your. 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 I like that. Man, I'm so old. (laughs) It's definitely a Gen Z, (laughs) you know. Gen Z development. Yeah. Um, I'll try it out. That would be great. Okay. So, Bill Moore, you've been in LA for a few days. You just got back like just yesterday. Just yesterday. From so New Zealand. From New Zealand. <laughs> you were, uh, are you tired? I am. Yeah. I'm only on my first cup of coffee, too. But I've, but I've learned that Jake is really easy. At, like he, he gets up really easy. I'm he a, machine. Up, a machine. He basically is. Yeah. Mm hmm. No yawning. No yawn. Never a yawn. Never a cough. He's just up. a cough. <laughs> never cough when you wake up, bro. I wake up. I'm just my. I'm. I'm all. all You're just falling apart. Bad. Yeah. Like you yeah. might not live. It, literally. Yeah. It's pathetic, actually. Um. I wake up pretty pathetic too, honestly. Do you? No. You just. He's a machine. A machine. <laughs> He's Rocky Balboa, <laughs> <laughs> except a little overweight. <laughs> I gained 20 pounds since marriage. COVID has definitely... Marriage 20? I would say probably marriage mixed with COVID. COVID, yeah. Yeah. I know. I did it. did it. We'll do it to you. I took my running shoes to New Zealand. I didn't run one time. Really? Yeah. It It always sounds like you're going to do it. You know, it always sounds good, like workout on vacation. I I typically, you know, will squeeze in a run or two when we're on a break. Mm Mm-hmm. But it was just, it was winter there. Do you have like uh, an right. app that you use? I use Strava. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I like to record. I, I don't you, use Strava, but I have it on my phone. You have, but you don't use it. <laughs> don't do you not it. use it because you don't actually run or because yeah, you... Yeah, I don't run. If I run, it's like one of the things where when I was running more rhythmically, I would use it. But now I run like once a month. And, and you like, don't want to record it. Yeah, it's just yeah. Like, that's depressing. Yeah, no, I feel you. Um, So we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. This is going to be a fun one because we each grew up charismatic pentecostal mm-hmm. do you remember our episode with uh mark sharona where he got mad at us for saying we weren't pentecostal i do that was a fun one wait well, that why? was a really that was one of my all-time favorite episodes that was my probably my least favorite <laughs> why why aren't why aren't we pentecostal or why, why aren't you i don't identify as pentecostal uh because it comes with too much baggage got it yeah so could someone say they don't identify as a Christian because it comes with too much baggage? Oh, hey, hey. he, I mean, I'm just, I'm just going there. You know, this is vast. This is vast. This is, this is vast. This is the vast podcast. But I also think that um, that's a great question. But I also think that uh, Pentecostal theology is not typically where I find myself a lot of the times. And if I listen to If I listen to Pentecostal preachers, um, it's just not, I guess, not usually the camp that I find myself yeah. gravitating there's towards. Not a, there's not a resonance. I'm also still trying to find, like, the, 
No, I I feel pretty at home. I'm still trying to find uh, like the the overarching definition of Pentecostalism. So the most recent one that I heard, uh, I was talking actually to a guy who um, had just completed his master's in Pentecostal theology uh, in New Zealand. And uh, we were talking about a Pentecostal theologian uh, who I knew of. Um, and the, his definition is basically reading scripture through a Luke Acts lens. Okay. I like that. I like yeah. that as a definition. But I don't read scripture. I don't, I don't think anyway through a Luke Acts lens. Yeah. Um, however, in saying that, I probably uh, maybe do more so than I realize. Um, but maybe we can get into some of that. That's really good. Yeah. Did he? Did I would he, identify myself more as just charismatic. Did he provide any other definitions? No, that was the one. Okay. Yeah. I was curious. The, the whole thing kind of is like, I, I always grew up thinking I was Pentecostal. You, you, know? you definitely were. Yeah. But then I found out recently my pastor was a reformed Calvinist, charismatic yeah. Calvinist, but he just didn't want to say it because he didn't want Got the it. church to get upset about it. Right. And so it's, just, I, it's, just I mean, more, the, it's just more fun being a Pentecostal. Yeah, the, I guess you, the, you know the lines I mean? are kind of blurred, hey. Exactly. Yeah. So you don't even really know. Okay, so I asked yesterday on our Instagram, um, we asked a few questions. Oh, I would also say that, uh, like, I don't, to me, it seems to be a, a marker of Pentecostalism that, A, speaking in tongues is the normal evidence of having received the Holy Spirit, which I don't agree with, and B, there seems to be uh, very little barrier between like tongues and the pulpit. Yes. That seems to be a, a feature of Pentecostalism. Meaning and, people speak in tongues from the pulpit. Yeah. Which yeah. I, which I don't automatically have an issue with. Yeah. I, I legitimately don't. Uh, but I probably have a little bit more of a barrier there than there seems to be in the Pentecostal world. Can I ask him a question? Yeah. Um, why don't you believe Speaking in tongues is evidence. Did you say I, 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 normal, primary, evidence. Normal, primary, evidence. normal evidence? Meaning that if you don't speak in tongues, that is not an indication that you haven't been baptized into the spirit. So I was reading, um, I'm just going to kind of riff, uh, but I, I was reading uh, Jack Hayford's book, Baptism with the Spirit. Yeah. And it's interesting because he says the language in scripture is not baptism in or baptism of, but baptism with. Right. So that's what he would say in the sense of when people have the subsequent or secondary experience, mm -hmm. it was Jesus who is the one that is baptizing them because that's what he said in Acts 1-5, mm -hmm. in many days, you know, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And then what he does make a case for is that usually when you see that in the book of Acts, there was evidence of prophecy or speaking in tongues. So that's why I asked. There was evidence of uh prophecy and a certain type of speaking in tongues in is it acts two yeah um and that that type of speaking in tongues was probably known human languages that were unknown to the speaker but yep. known to the hearer yep uh when when the holy spirit fell on the gentiles with cornelius it's definitely possible that the kind of speaking in tongues that was present there that peter witnessed was uh perhaps the, the kind that we most commonly see today. Um, Which the, would be defined or termed as what? Angelic tongues? Uh, unintelligible tongues. Unintelligible. I would say. Prayer language. Like, Prayer language. Yeah, maybe that's, that's a, the colloquial a, Would be a colloquial, colloquial term. Yeah, yeah. Un unintelligible, known to God, but unknown to the speaker. Yeah. 
Um, and the reason I think that is because when the Holy Spirit falls uh, on Cornelius's household, there are no unbelievers present for the gospel to be preached to. So that that's kind of the argument that people have against the unintelligible tongues that we know today is that, oh, no, in Acts, it's, it's always known human languages okay. that are unknown to the speaker and known to the hearer. In Acts 2, that makes sense because there are people around to be witnessed to, to hear the gospel. Yes. I think it's, is it Acts 10 with Cornelius? I can't remember. Acts 10 with Cornelius. Um, that's not the case there. Yeah. It's just his household present and yeah. Peter and his, his uh, co-laborers and the Holy Spirit falls are speaking in tongues. This is the argument. Um, I believe I'm getting it right from memory that Sam Storms makes in yeah. one of his books. This does, do the Sam Storms or do you, or you might go believe that there is a subsequent experience to salvation I believe in many subsequent experiences. Yeah, so that's what I think. Multiple, I think too, yeah. Multiple, mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. But it should have a distinct difference in the believer's life. Because that's the thing that I always think about because when I look at people who maybe have even qualms, maybe it's just like a, a semantics thing, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, but when I do look at the life of the disciples, um, I see in John 20, you know, Jesus breathed on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. So many people believe then mm -hmm. that's like their post-resurrection. That's their, mm -hmm. they're, 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 they're in Christ. They're saved at mm -hmm. that moment. They're born again in that moment. But then you see in Acts 2, that the Holy Spirit poured out, uh, falls upon them. Most Pentecostals would say that's that when they were baptized with the Spirit. Mm -hmm. So whatever you want to term, terminate, uh, whatever terminology you want to use, what I fight for when I'm even in conversation with people who maybe are a bit hesitant is that is that there was a vast difference to use beyond brand <laughs> in the life of the disciples after that moment mm -hmm. because 50 days earlier mm -hmm. Peter was afraid to even be associated with Jesus mm -hmm. now he's testifying to the very people that would have mm -hmm. been you know involved in having him mm -hmm. crucified that Jesus is the Lord mm -hmm. he's bold so you know, I think, yeah. So just to sort of clarify, like, I think that whatever it is, whether it's multiple, subsequent, like, it, there should be a, a transformative expression in the life of the believer. Mm -hmm. Like post-salvation. Post-salvation. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it could happen during. Yeah. You know? I think it can definitely happen during. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it, it, it may be that God and his choosing you know, he might do that in somebody's life at their moment of salvation. He, yeah. he might mm -hmm. provide that experience later on. Um, I, I have definitely had like what I would call post salvific experiences that have been like markers for me. Mm -hmm. Um, but I don't know that that, uh, has to be the case. Yeah. I think the worry that people have though, is that they feel JV. They what? They feel JV, junior right, varsity. Right. Like they don't have they don't have the full Holy they Spirit. They don't have the full they Holy Spirit. Which is or... why I resist the idea of mm -hmm. yeah. like what typically comes along with Pentecostalism. Yeah. And so so I guess in because... saying to answer your first question, some of the baggage with Pentecostalism is baggage that I don't want to carry. Yeah. Oh, the baggage that comes with being a Christian is baggage that I will happily carry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. That makes sense. So yeah. So I guess that would if we think that or if we if we think that some people would feel um like if i don't speak in tongues or pray in tongues there is this level of the holy spirit that i'm not to would that then mean we think not everybody can do it because what i've always 
grown up believing. And I guess if you pressed me to this day, I would probably still say, no, I think that's available for everybody. Right. And everybody should want it and desire it. Mm -hmm. And so it actually maybe I don't know, like the more I think about it, I would. And I'm not saying you guys can tell me if you think this is biblical or not. I would tell someone, yeah, there is more for you to experience. Yeah. I, and I, I think that would be something I would say up until this point, I would really strongly believe. Totally. I would say there's always more of God for you to experience. Right. That might not be speaking in tongues for you. Right. Do you guys want to hear the crazy? <laughs> so when I first got saved and started speaking and praying in tongues, I asked somebody, why is it so important? <laughs> I was telling you yesterday. It was like, if you want to be a man of God, you, you pray in tongues every day. Yeah, like past, that, that the way that that was told to me and the cadence in which it was told to me, I can still remember it. <laughs> it was like, it was like beat into us, you know? And I remember one time just being like, okay, but why? Right. And the response from the person was, well, because the enemy can know your thoughts <laughs> and can hear your words. And so when you're praying in tongues, you don't know what you're praying, but then the enemy can't hear what you're praying as well. So you're like subverting, you're subverting Satan. Is, so he doesn't know what you're praying for. Like, like praying in Morse code. Or literally. Something. And I literally. This is why Jake hates Pentecost. Yes. <laughs> I believe that for a really long time. Like, oh, I'm praying. And, do, and do, now the enemy can't know what I'm praying. Do you need for. therapy? Bro, yeah. been done. Need, need, need more of. No. Um, what, is that kind of the best? Gosh, I've never even heard that. I've never even thought about, about that scenario. I actually don't even know what to think about that. Right. Like Paul says in First Corinthians, when you when you're praying in tongues, you're speaking not to men but to God. Yeah. Um. I don't know if that's Maybe understandable by the devil. I right. have no idea. Yeah. Maybe that guy was right. on something. He was like, Lord, I I'm, I'm lusting, but I don't want Satan to know I'm lusting. Oh, so I'm gonna pray that you know, like that's gonna be my tongues prayer. I don't. So, well, okay, but that that is uh that part is faulty right in, in the sense that if you pray in english and the devil hears what you're praying first of all the devil's not omnipresent so number right. one you're assuming that he's around to hear you right um, it's not the holy spirit on one shoulder and no, satan on the other listening no, to you pray no yeah. there that's not to say that there there aren't uh demons that that maybe are present around your life but the the devil and demons are not omnipresent so they may well not mm -hmm. be so, but even putting that aside, you're assuming there that if they understand what you're saying, they automatically have some kind of power over you. Right. And that that's just not the case. Right. Yeah. This what Satan does, he, he doesn't he doesn't use our honest prayer for help in our battle against sin against us. Satan uses our actual sin against us. Mm -hmm. So when we sin, that becomes an opportunity right. for the devil, especially when that sin remains unrepented. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's not like if he knows, you know, our, our struggles, he automatically has some kind of doorway. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's just not how yeah. it works. Yeah. yeah. That's weird. So we each grew up kind of different. Plus the devil needs permission from God to do anything in your life. Right. Yeah. So I asked our followers on Instagram yesterday, a couple <laughs> questions that were pretty good. So I said, you know, like, what's the craziest thing you've ever seen in a church service? First of all, David Campbell wanted us to know that he didn't appreciate me using Catherine Kuhlman photos <laughs> in my in our post, and that he's been in Catherine Kuhlman meetings, and he's they were real and great. 
Yes. And not crazy. That's in true. In a bad way. That's true. He was telling me that when he was here with us. So, and he, he legitimately got kind of teary as he was yes. recounting it. Wow. Yes. He said, in fact, hold on. I want to see exactly. So he was, I, he literally not, said, it's not a joke. He was um, serious. No, he was yeah, probably rebuking me. He said, I've been in, <laughs> yes, he was rebuking me. I've been in Catherine Kuhlman's meetings and I will never forget them. And I was like, okay, beautiful. That's a kind little rebuke by, okay. So I want to just go through a couple of these first and then, and then we'll kind of go from there. Uh, someone said um, snake lady. Not sure what that means. Uh, conference prophecy, Mike demon possessed dude, WWE elders. What I think he means what? is he was at a conference. Someone had a prophecy, Mike, some, a demon possessed dude got on the mic and then the elders beat the guy up. Um uh, this is the qualification for being an elder in this church yes. must be able must know taekwondo yes <laughs> but some really cool ones someone said i have seen the suit jacket pistol whip in a service which is pretty funny just the oh just yeah. the slap but some actually really cool ones came through someone said friend had a stroke at a conference and lost feeling in half of her body next year same conference got healed wow, wow. that's pretty cool uh, someone said a dove coming down on an audience. And after that, there came deliverance, healings, etc. Wow. That's pretty crazy. Blind eyes of 14 years healed. Crazy. Got to watch the lady re-meet people. That's, that's wow. That's pretty wild. That's uh, so some cool, you know, some, some cool more. stuff, not just weird, weird stuff. I've seen people do somersaults and front hams, ham springs in service. Okay. So I asked, have you been slain in the spirit? Right. And uh, let's see what the current, the current, have you guys been slain does, in the spirit? Does, does, does the audience, does everyone know what slain in the spirit is? Because I don't know what your audience is. Is it, bro? I don't know. What I mean, I'm, slain in the I'm spirit guessing is. I gave a photo though to model it. Okay. 44% of people said yes, they have. Yeah. 56% of people said no. And that's out of like over 300 people answering that question. What what is the origin of that term? I that's what I, I that's what I don't know. Yeah. The other okay, hold on. The other it's question was: the Have sure. you ever given a courtesy fall? One which is is when you multiple courtesy falls and and yeah, absolutely and thirty two percent of people said yes, um, and sixty eight percent of people said no. So that would be my I guess my first question for you guys: Have you been sl quote unquote slain in the spirit? Which I don't. I yes, I don't. I have no idea where that came from. Um, and have you ever given a courtesy fall? I'll go first. I have never been actually slain, slain in the, the actually slain in the spirit, but I have given a lot of courtesy falls in my life. But I know people that I trust very dearly. One of them being you, and then my dad, and other people in my life who have actually fell. Had that happen. Another problem with presence. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, okay. According to Christianity.com, <laughs> in some charismatic denominations, when a preacher places a hand on someone, often the forehead, the mm -hmm. person falls backwards or collapses, and it's referred to as being slain in the spirit. So, mm -hmm. I guess, is that the working definition yeah. that you guys are going off yeah, of? Yeah. 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 Because okay. yeah. you just basically made a comparison between falling and being slain. Like, yeah. yeah. Well, I guess. I, I, so, what did that did that's, say? That's basically what yeah, this yeah, is saying. Yeah yeah. 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 Okay. If that's the case, I would say that legitimately a handful of times I have been. Yeah. Um, I think it's also really important that we just put it like that. This is not a biblical term, this, right. which doesn't make it a bad term. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it's a, it's a recent term, mm -hmm. like really quick reference. One of those articles said second great awakening. So <laughs> yep. it's a, it's a recent term. Uh, and 
Um, so it's not a bad thing. So yeah, I would say like particularly as one time, bro. Like I could, I legitimately mm-hmm. could barely stand. Yeah, wow. was like barreled mm-hmm. over, weeping, yep. and it hit me out of nowhere. Wow. Like I was talking to this guy uh, at a conference after the service in the back of the auditorium, mm-hmm. and he's just cat like conversationally talking to me, uh, but in like a kind of a prophetic way. Yeah, uh, I get up from that conversation. I walk towards my dad, and like when I get within like ten feet of my dad, I just like crumble. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. Like yeah. that is an yeah, undeniable experience for me. And then I would say for sure there have been, uh, there have been occasions when, when somebody has prayed for me mm-hmm. and um, uh, legitimate feeling of power. Yeah. Sometimes that has resulted in uh, falling down. Yep. Uh, and then sometimes like one time recently, I remember when we first started coming back from COVID we were gathering. It was when we were in the backyard, mm-hmm. and uh, a guy in our church prayed for me, and I was just overcome with mm-hmm. like with laughter. Mm-hmm. You remember this? Mm-hmm. And everyone mm-hmm. was we we pr- always pray for the preacher before the service. That's right. And yeah. Everyone was around me, and I start like uncontrollably mm-hmm. laughing. Wow. Mm-hmm. And it was unreal. Mm-hmm. Um. So I was at a. I'm, I just thought of this just now. This is probably the only time when I've felt something tangible. Um, I mean, I, I felt tangible things just in worship and, you mm-hmm. know, when I'm worshiping or even when I'm at home, but as far as like, you know, the ministry moment, mm-hmm. usually I haven't, but there was one time when I was at a vineyard conference, mm-hmm. this is when I got saved. So I recently got saved and I'm like, you know, I want everything. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was fascinating because usually in Pentecostal ministry moments, there's the organ, mm-hmm. this guy had nothing. Yeah. He was just on a mic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and he calls people up and he, all he says was come Holy spirit. Mm, mm-hmm. Literally the, all he says, mm-hmm. he lays his hand on me mm-hmm. and I did do a look, I did a rock, a little rock. Yeah. I did like a, a little, little shaky. Mm-hmm. I was like going back and forth, but I was trying very hard not to not fall. Mm-hmm. Cause I was like, I didn't fake this so many times. Mm-hmm. So like, this yeah. is my moment <laughs> to like really fall. And I didn't, but it was like a really powerful moment. Mm-hmm. Um, would you reckon though, because I'm thinking now, um, and I'd love to hear you guys' thoughts on this, because the the word for glory is weight. So would you reckon that's part of it? The weight of God maybe falling upon a person, the weight of his presence in that moment, mm-hmm. and that's what's causing the person to fall under. I don't know that the the word glory, um I don't know that we should understand that as like literal weight. Yeah. But in saying that, it seems to be the case in the scriptures that when god shows up people get on their face yeah. right mm-hmm. <laughs> whether yeah. or not it's because he makes them or yeah, because yeah, they're yeah. like i, I yeah, yeah 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 mm-hmm. yeah almost like because anytime it's happened to me it's never been that like just like flat as the board fall back make sure someone's there to catch me right it's like crumbling to my face like yeah unable to move there's been like two or three times in my life where i can like very <laughs> there's just no question about it. Right. You know? Um, but I almost wonder if like, like the fallback, you know, like, okay, I'm going to touch your forehead. You're going to fall back. Someone's going to catch you. Yeah. Like you must wonder if that was just like something that God did at some point. Yeah. And then there was just this like, Oh, this is what it means this for is, the Holy spirit is, to move. Yeah. This is, exactly. Like, this is now what we're going to do. It's a cultural holdover. Yes. And, and that's okay. We yeah. should just acknowledge that. And, and I feel like people have. Yeah. It, it seems to happen. Well, Rare, rarely I mean, it now. would never happen in our 
church. It happened once. It happened maybe once if, or twice in the years of eight years of C three. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Like I was at a conference this week in a part of the world where, like, uh, these these churches would say that they are Pentecostal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I prayed for a lot of people, mm-hmm. and I think one person fell over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So I did think you it, push their? Did you push them? I mean, dude, I was shoving these people. <laughs> like at one point, I had the associate pastor get on all fours yeah. behind them, <laughs> so they tripped and fell. <laughs> no, I just praying for people, yeah. and they're just receiving ministry. Yes. and it's beautiful. Yes, and there was some like legitimate prophetic words mm-hmm. um, that we were able to give that were confirmed after the fact. Mm-hmm. So I know the Holy Spirit's moving. Yeah. But they're not falling. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it was awesome. Mm-hmm. I think um, I'm not sure if you had another question, but I think what I have been really convicted, challenged, passionate about is even though growing up charismatic, I did see a lot of fake falling, mm-hmm. a lot of emotionalism. Um uh there was uh at least space in every service. Mm-hmm. Yeah. An expectation mm-hmm. that there's going to be some moment yeah, yes. where God shows up yes. outside of my mm-hmm. natural mm-hmm. human, you know, abilities and faculties. Yes. And we're going to make space for that, mm-hmm. whether it's prophecy, healing, yep. extended worship. Yep. And uh, when I think about the people that went to those churches, maybe they were a bit overly religious. And I use that term, like maybe I should say legalistic is the better word. Legalistic, mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were hungry for god yeah and i remember my dad at like telling me stories when he was like 21 going on like 30 day fast Mm -hmm. you know so i i I, even though sometimes we can look at them and say that was just all nut you know there was Mm -hmm. no fruit in that Mm -hmm. it was just nut and Mm -hmm. i think like i want that same level of consecration that they Mm -hmm. had though you know like that like my grandmother, when she was telling me that, you know, she would go on extended fast. Yeah. And because to this day, if I want like real breakthrough in a prayer, I'll probably call some of those people. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm calling my aunt. I'm mm-hmm. calling my dad. I'm mm-hmm. calling, you know what I mean? Like, cause mm-hmm. I know they carry the, the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit yeah. on their life. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that's the thing. Like, and I think in our generation, like maybe that came from those churches that were like, oh man, I don't want to associate myself yeah. with the negative or the baggage mm-hmm. of it uh i do think that um, one of the things that the lord really did use them in is just they were consecrated mm-hmm. they, they they lived a life of sacrifice yeah. fasting prayer yeah that i really uh, want to step into more in my personal life but also call people in our church to do the same that's great yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah i think i interact with a lot of pentecostals i think pentecostalism is beautiful and i, I would say it's probably like you know, it's somewhere on my list of my identifiers. <laughs> it's just not the first one. Not the first one. Yeah. What's the first one? Well, I would, <laughs> I would just say Christian. <laughs> um, what was I going to say? I don't remember. I got a question. Oh, oh, yeah, go. You go. So, like, what does this, you know, if I'm a leader, local church pastor, or like, how, how should we, if this is, Paul says, you know, earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. I may know that theologically, but what does that look like practically in the life of the local church? I'm I'm curious. I actually want to know what what your answer is. Yeah, so this is where I this is where I would say um this is what it is to understand the working of the Holy Spirit in the church. Mm -hmm. So uh the way that I look at it, I to me when I think about the Holy Spirit. 
to me, I think about it more in terms of the narrative of scripture. So it seems to me that throughout the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit is, in essence, one of the primary promises of God for his people. That's good. Because with the coming of the Holy Spirit um, comes uh, a new heart, uh, comes the ability to know God in a deeper way. So I'm thinking of like Jeremiah when he talks about new covenant, new mm -hmm. heart, uh, Ezekiel, the breath coming upon the bones, uh, new spirit, mm -hmm. um, Moses in numbers, when he says, would that all of God's people be prophets? Because God put some of the spirit that was on Moses on some of the elders of Israel mm -hmm. and two of them were still in the camp. Mm -hmm. And so uh, a messenger runs out and tells Moses, Hey, there's two people prophesying in the camp. And Joshua gets jealous on behalf of Moses. Moses, you got to stop them. You know, they're, they're going to like usurp your leadership position. And Moses says, are you jealous for me? Mm -hmm. No, no, no. Would that all God's people be prophets? Mm. And so there's this, there's this desire and hope throughout the old Testament that the Holy spirit would be upon all of God's people. Oh. And uh, particularly towards the latter part of the old Testament, that that same Holy Spirit is associated with prophecy. So the prophecy becomes one of the key markers, which is why Joel says, in the last days, I will put my spirit upon all my people and they shall prophesy. Which uh, is the resurrection until the consummation of Clem's Ragbos. All of that will be consistent the last days. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So Peter gets up and says at Pentecost, yeah. this is that. And that's why you hear these people speaking in a, in in languages that you know um and and telling the good works of god they're they're prophesying um and so i i think you can't you can't really fulfill what it means to be a church apart from the presence of and the working of the holy spirit amongst the people who form that church so in, in that sense some people might say well that's really pentecostal mm -hmm. and i would just say that is just biblical theology when you look over the narrative of old and new testament this is the holy spirit is a primary promise mm -hmm. i mean paul calls him the down payment upon our eternal inheritance yeah so he's he's kind of a big deal um and when you look at the churches uh in the new testament they are very much marked by what we would call supernatural things happening mm -hmm. yeah, chari so, they, they're, they're charismatic, charismatic right yeah. um and so the Greek word charis meaning gift, charismata, um, spiritual gifts are are uh, the working of the Holy Spirit. They're charismatic. And so uh, you see that in Galatia, there's the working of miracles. You see it in Thessalonica. Paul says, don't despise prophecies. Obviously, you see it in Corinth. There's huge outline there, spiritual gifts. You see it in the churches in Rome when Paul goes on about spiritual gifts in Rome. You see it in Ephesus when Paul is talking about uh, giftings in in in, uh, in Ephesus, you see it in in uh, Peter's letter, even in just short form when he's talking about mm. um, stewarding the gifts that God has given to us, mm -hmm. and and so it seems to be everywhere. Certainly, when you read the Book of Acts, mm -hmm. it is a key feature mm -hmm. of the Book of Acts that miraculous supernatural things are happening, and it seems normative. It seems normative, and um. Even in like the less impressive ways, like just little prophetic words that are given, you know, like, ah, oh, Paul, I don't know if you should go to Jerusalem. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, like things, things like that 
So I, I don't think that Christian Christianity uh, can exist apart from these these experiences. I, I think, well, I mean, and I and I would say, just coming back to your question, uh, prophecy seems to be, in some sense, kind of like the tip of the spear. He, prophecy is what was associated with the Holy Spirit going into uh the, the could, you of Christ. could you define prophecy uh i would say um well i i like wayne grudem's definition of prophecy telling something that god spontaneously brings to mind yep mm-hmm. so it's, it's like a supernatural knowing of something and and then saying that thing mm-hmm. yeah and a word of knowledge would be i would say word of knowledge is uh it is its own gift but very closely related yeah. to mm-hmm. prophecy and I, I would also say that what we know of word of knowledge uh at best is is kind of like piecing together moments in the scriptures and mm-hmm. going i think that's word of knowledge mm-hmm. because there, there's no definition that's ever given for it in so the can New i Testament. give an example of something that happened and you tell me if yeah. it's prophecy or word of knowledge mm-hmm. so i was in a meeting once this is kind of going to make me look like a hero but i'm not but i actually just don't know what to call it uh and I'm praying for, you know, the ministry moment and the word pastor is just coming around my mind. And I know he's not a pastor. Uh, so I'm like, hey, I feel like there's ministry in your family. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, he starts to weep. So then I'm like, okay, there's something connected to that. God says, don't run away. You know, I feel like the Lord's saying that. And then praying some more. And then I say, um, you guys, I just sense that they're worried about uh, having a child because of financial reasons. Mm-hmm. I don't remember why, but for some reason it really resonated. Long story short, they come tell me how much it was, whatever. On the money. On the money. So is that word of knowledge? Is that prophecy? Mm. What is that? I would call it a mix of both. Okay. Mm-hmm. I would say, and, and this would just be how I would define it. This yeah, is, yeah. By no means is this like rigid, <laughs> but I, I would say the pieces where you're describing what is, yep. um, is word of knowledge. Yeah. And the pieces where you're encouraging them about what will be. I would say that that's prophetic. That's mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. That's really helpful. I heard a definition of prophecy recently. Um, and I won't say who it's by because I think it may that may automatically get tarnished. Someone thinking, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> but it was uh, God's invitation to potential. Mm. So, and we sort of talked about this a bit um, on the Andy Squires episode where he's like, Basically, this whole generation of people came up with these like big prophecies, all these great things you're going to do for God and God's going to do this and God's going to do that. And um, the and then it, it either doesn't come to pass and people get discouraged or whatever it might be. But if if God, if, if a prophetic word is God's invitation sort of into potential, like this is seeing something in you, right? Like I give you a prophetic word about something God's going to do in your life. That doesn't necessarily just mean that it's going to just like fall from the sky. Right. Like I can, don't just get to sit around and wait for it to happen. I mean, yeah, exactly. Pretty, and seems... so like that definition to me, not necessarily a biblical definition, maybe it's more just like a good explanation really resonated with me Cool. because it's not just like, I mean, what do you guys think about that? I mean, it seems pretty consistent with scripture that disobedience thwarts you from right. whatever God's potential right. has, right? you know, whatever God, what the potential that God has for you, mm-hmm. you know? So I think we like to say things like, um, you know, you 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 know the, the, the god's best you you'll live for god's best yeah. like god's be- the best is yet to come well the best is not yet to come if you know 
I am an idiot. Right. And yeah. I sin and I'm yeah. unrepentant. And mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like that, you know, you the 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 journeys to the promised land was supposed to take what eleven days, mm-hmm. you know, forty years. So I think I I I I think we like to uh, I guess make people feel good by saying those things, but I think it's just not true, which is why I would say I like that definition. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's a great descriptor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What would you guys say to somebody who... Um, I, the only caveat I would add, sorry, is mm-hmm. that prophecy doesn't always have to be futuristic. Right. Foretelling and foretelling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So in, in that sense, um, an invitation to God's potential doesn't just mean... As long as we say that it doesn't just mean, you know, this is what your future could look like right. if you consecrate yourself to the Lord in terms of an event happening. Right. It could be this is what, you know, you can be like. Yes. Right. Right. Um, yeah. Character. Yeah. Some of the best prophecies I've ever received are prophecies, prophecies about my character. Right. That that mm. person would have never known. That's a thing inside of me that I go, oh, man, can I? Right. Can I do this? Can I be that on the inside? Not mm. like, can I accomplish this? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, those are actually probably the most meaningful prophetic words yeah, I've yeah. ever gotten. Not like a you're gonna. And yeah, and the reason all whatever, of this is right? important is because Paul says in First Corinthians fourteen that prophecy is for edification, mm-hmm. for cur- for encouragement, you know, and for for the building up of God's people. And I think to anyone listening or whatever, the reason why it's important not just to have a theoretical you know understanding but to actually go after and practice mm-hmm. it is because mm-hmm. god wants to build his people mm-hmm. through the the prophecies and through the prophetic gifts mm-hmm. the operation of the prophetic in every local church mm-hmm. uh, and i actually think that we as the local church have a responsibility probably now more than ever to demonstrate the power of god through our lives because there's so much syncretism there's so much um people who are searching for supernatural. I'm like, why the heck in every freaking corner in New York City is these stupid psychic right. places? Still, yeah. They're open. Mm-hmm. Yeah, It's so expensive to yeah. live in New York. Mm-hmm. So I know that that rent is crazy mm-hmm. and they're still, Making people it. are going. Yeah, People are going there, yeah. you know? So woe to us if we yeah. don't show people mm-hmm. that no, there's no, there's unequal power in Jesus, mm-hmm. that he has no rival, he has no equal, and he wants to demonstrate mm-hmm. that through life. I mean, yeah, we live in a world where the the smartest people in our world are buying ayahuasca and acid mm. and DMT and going out into the wilderness to get a revelation right. about a problem that they're trying to solve or something that they're working on. And wow. then we're kind of like, oh, we don't want to freak people out so right. weird. in church, you know? Yeah. It's so- like, wait a minute, mm-hmm. maybe that's actually like, I, I the, I, I'm 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 not like sometimes I'm going like oh, I don't know maybe people weird is what people maybe like a little weird isn't a bad thing mm-hmm. you know I mean, I people agree. go to Lady Gaga concerts that's yeah weird. yeah <laughs> which kidding. would be my next question for you guys do you have to are you what time are you done you tell me uh we got time okay yeah. um I'm just looking at the clock I don't want to um okay so you know Jake you're a senior pastor of a church so you set the culture you um you sort of set the framework biblically for hey here's how we're going to operate in the holy spirit in our meetings and gatherings right and that may be different on a sunday than it is say a team night than it is say a prayer meeting fillmore you you know aren't a senior pastor but you run with the your senior pastor's vision and so you guys set the tone of this is what it's going to look like um 
So then how does this work itself out in a local church context? So we want to be a church. We want to be churches that invite the Holy Spirit in, see the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but there's also human beings involved, which means sometimes someone's going to, someone's going to prophesy and it's not going to be right on. Right. Or someone's going to give a word of knowledge that's not going to land, or someone's going to be a bit aggressive in the way they pray for heat, whatever it might be. Right. So how do we create like a culture in our churches, whether we're a, lead a group, whether we're a pastor, whether we're just, you know, a worship leader or whatever it might be where we can experiment with this stuff. Mm -hmm. And I, I guess my question is like, there's some gray area here because mm -hmm. yeah. the minute you put something wholly in the hands of a person, it can get weird. I'll let us end on Jake. Cause his will be a better answer than mine. Um, but <laughs> I think first thing I would say, if you don't teach on it, you won't see it. Right. Uh, Cause you can't have faith for what, you don't hear mm -hmm. faith comes by hearing as a principle. Obviously that's talking about the gospel, but, but as a principle, if people aren't hearing that God wants to use you uh, or partner with you to uh, see his power flow through your life for the, for the building of God's church, then they won't have faith for mm -hmm. it. So you got to teach people on it. Uh, and then comes the context for which you teach them. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, it could be a Sunday gathering where you're teaching them. It could be, uh, we were doing Pastor Phil's move in the spirit class. I know you guys have done mm -hmm. that and that's bared so much fruit. Uh, so many testimonies of people speaking in tongues, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but then for us, I think really the space right now where we're trying to cultivate to really go after it is uh, we call them our all-in nights. Mm -hmm. um, I think you guys call it one night. And uh, what we've built into our last one was just at least 20 minutes of me basically showing people, like hearing from the Lord in that moment, prophesying, and then what we what we want to do also is like train other people to do it. So hey, right now, I want you to just lay your hand on your neighbor. Uh, and I want you to just wait a bit. The Lord's going to give you a word of encouragement for that person. God speaks to you, his sheep, know his voice, know the voice mm -hmm. of the shepherd. And I want you to pray an encouraging word and just wait. And then there's it is so, so surprising. Like mm -hmm. people are encouraged by that. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's one context. But I think there's multiple ways. Um, I also would say too, as an aside. Uh, is that people should also be talk, taught that it's expected of them to to walk in this stuff, like from God. Great. You know, mm -hmm. I think that uh, I think about when uh, Peter, James, and John joined Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration, mm -hmm. uh, and while they were up there, there was a man that brought his uh, demon possessed son, his son who needed deliverance, to the disciples, and they could not cast out the demon. Mm -hmm. uh, Jesus comes down. And the, the father says to Jesus, uh, I brought them to your disciples and they couldn't, you know, mm. Jesus did not say, oh man, you know, guys, tough luck. He right. said, you know, he, 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 how long must I bear with how you? How long must I bear faith? with you? Mm -hmm. You know, like mm -hmm. he, he corrected their faith. The assumption was that Bartholomew, who got no airtime, should have been able to minister a deliverance. You know, I just think that's really cool. Mm -hmm. So and I, that's what I, one of the things I love about the time I had with the vineyard um, movement in college is that they really said everyone gets to play, you know, I everyone gets to, yeah, it's not just the person on the stage. It's not just the person on the stage. And I think that's the thing that we need to teach people is that everyone can do this, you know, mm -hmm. and then figure out the training avenues for that. Mm -hmm. um, and then correcting it when it needs to be corrected mm -hmm. um, in a way that's healthy. So that's what I think. Mm -hmm. I, yeah. I mean, that answer, I think is stuff that uncovers all the bases. The only uh, thing that I would add, I think on Sunday morning, you want a more mature expression 
of the gift mm, at play. That's good. Right. So I think like that everybody gets to play like training. That is great. And we do the same thing at our uh our one nights, yeah. all in nights. Um and certainly have employed some of that on Sundays as well. Uh, however, I wouldn't press it as much in terms of how I'm categorizing that that's moment. Good, really I would smart. just say, hey, pray for the person. And then <laughs> in my head, I'm going, Holy Spirit, you yeah. speak. <laughs> and we even like in that's our good. services, we even add some caveats to that. If you've been in our church for longer than a year. Yeah, I'll say, and even you recently, know. I'll say, if you've been in our church longer for sometimes other six months, sometimes yep. I'll do a year, and you're regularly in a small group. Mm. then I want you to gather around these people with their hands lifted and pray for them. That's really mm -hmm. good. Cause I'll do like a specific altar call for something that I'll feel like is either a word of knowledge or, or whatever. That's good. And then I'll say, okay, if this is you, can you go and lay your hands on that people? And so you're getting people involved in, in different ways. And it's also communicating to the rest of the people. Hey, this is, this six. isn't a free for all. This isn't a free for yeah. all. There's That's some good. boundaries here. And also if you would like to participate at a higher level, here's how you can uh, earn our trust. Yeah. That's really good. Mm -hmm. And I love that too. Cause I think out of COVID, there's so much online church. Like what that does is that you're stepping into something that you can't just do by mm -hmm. being at home. You exactly. know, like I'm partnering with mm -hmm. the Holy Spirit and my local church community and praying and believing mm -hmm. that God's going to do something, which lets the person that is in church know that they actually have a vital responsibility in the community, just uh, apart from just kind of showing up and having a seat and listening to a talk and consuming information, yeah. which I love. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think the point that we all really share in common is that we have a, an eager desire, a deep desire for mm. the things of the Holy spirit. Um, and we have a desire for churches to grow. I guess I'll just take out this moment as a shameless little plug. We're doing a Holy spirit conference. Holy spirit this conference. That's in right. September, you better be just there. like a little over a month or two months away. Yeah. Not yet, like a month mm -hmm. and a half away, mm -hmm. September 30th. Mm -hmm. And our our goal is for it to be really edifying for our church, but um, equally up there in terms of goals, we really want to serve other churches, mm. uh, particularly in the Southern California area in terms of just getting acquainted. Because like you said, a, lo a lot of Christians are, they are functional cessationists. Mm. And even a lot of people who, who believe in and would teach on the gifts of the Holy Spirit, they're functionally a cessationist they mm -hmm. don't they don't act like these things are real yep um and a lot of times they don't know how to get started yeah or they've good. never been in an environment that practices them in a in a, in a way that's like desirable yeah um kind of without some of that baggage, baggage. Yeah. <laughs> uh and, and so our hope and let me just make this my invitation anyone yeah. who's listening to this we'd love you to come and join us um and the mm -hmm. see we'll Angeles. put a link to that yeah we'll put yeah. a link to that in the show notes yeah um get your teams there yeah get your folks there which is okay so you guys want to do a couple questions yeah so, yeah uh so this leads into a good um question um how do you build a team that is diverse in giftings of the holy spirit tips on identifying them it's a great question um i can only speak out of hope in regards to that because <laughs> it's something that we currently have planned that's a really good so mm -hmm. i think Qualified. just right online with what Fillmore was saying you got to teach on them so we're about to kick off um, a sermon series on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We're going to go, I think it's like 10 or 11 weeks and each week will be like two or three mm -hmm. gifts. Mm -hmm. um, and we're going to teach on them and then invite people to respond at the end of each message uh, to come forward. If mm -hmm. they think that one of those lines up with their experience, 
oh, I feel like I've seen the Holy Spirit work through me in that wow, way, cool. come forward. And then what we're working on is having some next steps for each of those people in terms of getting them working in their gift. So that's that's a, a model that I've stolen from um, really good. John Thompson. We had him on our podcast uh, several months ago. Um, and that's that's a step that we're going to take. Yeah, and I think if you're familiar with the gifts yourself, I think listening to people's passions and burdens mm -hmm. could help you identify the gift that they have or even how they share things. Like, for instance, like my wife uh, is very prophetic, but she wouldn't describe herself as that. Mm -hmm. But if you actually hear how she talks about her dreams, she doesn't have dreams. She has movie clips, mm -hmm. you know? So mm -hmm. when she talks, it's like, no, like no people don't remember dreams like that, nor do they make that much sense. Like mm -hmm. you have a you have a prophetic gift, mm -hmm. you know. And there are people who maybe as a, if a pastor or a leader sitting down with people, like you can be able to discern, you know, um, that way as well. Mm -hmm. um, and then also just asking them, because sometimes people forget the prophetic words that they have gotten, mm -hmm. uh, so, you know. And oh yeah, someone did pray and said, "I'm going to step into the gift of healing." And mm -hmm. all that stuff. So, mm -hmm. uh, that's great. Okay, m most of these actually we you guys have touched on um already. I guess lastly let's do this one. Um <clears throat> gifts versus offices. So prophet versus prophecy. So the um yeah, what what are the what are the differences there? What does that what does that look like? Yeah. Um so that's from Ephesians 4. Uh, is the idea of the office of prophet. Um, and I'm just, have you, have you guys seen the don't step in front of the prophet? <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I think, I think Jake should also answer, you know, cause a lot of people don't believe that the offices are actually still for today. Right. Some people, right. So mm -hmm. maybe hit that as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I would say the, the reason I'm turning, We're just, to... <laughs> just adding questions over here. <laughs> The reason I'm turning to it is I, I'm looking to see if Paul even uses the word office. He who descended is the one who has ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Um, I, I could be mistaken about this. I don't know that he ever uses that term. I th I think that that might be something that we infer from the context of what Paul is talking about mm -hmm. in terms of uh, a, a structure in place mm -hmm. in terms of these four, some people say five, but I think shepherd teacher are, are one role. Mm -hmm. um, people who are gifted in this way are acting in, in a formational sense for the rest of the church. Mm -hmm. There is another way of reading that passage grammatically um, that would change its interpretation a little bit, but um, let's just go with that one for now. So you have the apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher who are equipping the saints for ministry. Mm -hmm. uh, and so supposedly they're sitting in some kind of office. office. Governmental role. Yeah. Government. Mm -hmm. um, I think, I can't remember the passage off the top of my head, but there's... Uh, uh, another scripture, I think it's in um, Corinthians that talks about uh, apostles and prophets mm -hmm. grouped together as mm -hmm. laying a foundation for the church. Yeah. Um, 
too, I believe. So I, I would I would just say that I would understand all of those things firstly as a gift. Um, but even in saying that, uh in um in Ephesians four, he he gave gifts to the church. Um I have to look and see if that's the same word. Mm. Oh, right. It may or may not be. I think mm-hmm. I think it is. Um, so obviously the way that I'm answering this question is an invitation for people to study it for themselves because yeah. clearly I'm not an expert. <laughs> um, but I would I would think of those things primarily as gifts. Uh certainly the gift of evangelism um is still at work in the church. Yeah. Certainly the gift of teaching is still at work in the church, certainly the gift of pastoring is still at work in the church. Um, and I would say the same thing, obviously, of prophecy. Uh, and I, I suppose even apostleship as well. Mm-hmm. And you'd have to have a whole nother conversation about how you define that word. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, in saying that, my kind of like my radar always kind of goes up a little bit, like something kind of like tips off when someone starts using office language. Mm-hmm. I am in the office of apostle. Mm-hmm. Self described. Self described. I'm an apostle. I'm a prophet. Because like typically that yeah. that comes with like authoritarian just yeah, yeah some yeah. some like i'm just i'm just wi- like a little bit kind of like mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. wary yeah um well i guess paul described himself as an apostle paul was an apostle but yeah. paul qualified as an apostle by like a, a strict definition of apostle that definition being an eyewitness to the resurrection of jesus um and paul fits that definition because jesus appeared to him on the road to damascus mm-hmm. um and the rest of the apostles were like even more strictly fitting yeah, into that category. Yeah. Uh had by Peter's definition, like to replace Judas, it's like they had to be with us the entire time that we were following Jesus. Um, so there was like really strict definition mm-hmm. there of, of apostleship. Yeah. And that's why it's, it's a whole conversation to go, how are you going to define apostleship? What is that gifting? Yeah. Um, but uh in saying that, I believe that all those gifts are still functional and I believe that they uh I, I believe that they are, I guess, fit into some kind of language about an office. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I believe in obviously in church governance. Yeah. Uh, and elders probably should possess uh, at, at minimum a gift to teach. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Paul says that they must be able to teach. Yeah. Um, and it's helpful to have people who are gifted to pastor (laughs) and to shepherd. Uh, It's, it certainly seems necessary that you have people who are gifted prophetically. If that's, you know, going to edify, exhort and encourage the church. If we are desire to desire spiritual gifts, especially that we may prophesy, it seems like that's to be strongly desirable um, in, in your church eldership. Um, Certainly, you know, Jesus has given us the great commission where to go into all the world and and make disciples. So that evangelistic gift like needs to be working in the church. Yeah. Um, and the apostleship thing. Uh, still to figure out. <laughs> well, to me, I would like, I would look at that as um, somebody who like is uh, pushing the envelope. They're, they're extremely mission minded. Yeah. They release others. They yep. raise up others. They lay foundation. Yep. They teach doctrine. Yeah. Um, uh, it's, it's, they have an ambition to preach Christ where he has not been preached. Isn't that what Paul said? That's great. Yeah. yeah. Um, I would see it as kind of like a fatherly mm-hmm. role. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
yeah i don't know that's a, a mm-hmm. really convoluted all over the place answer mm-hmm. but i don't think i don't think in terms of office first i think in terms of function functioning gifting first mm-hmm. um and i don't know perhaps an office is just a very mature expression of the gift that's mm-hmm. a good way to put it. Um, but i think thinking about it in terms of church governance is probably the most helpful way yeah that's what frank Damasio says he says there's governmental gifts yeah and con- congregational gifts mm-hmm. so the congregation maybe can operate in the prophetic mm-hmm. as a gift but then there are people who are in the governmental roles in the church mm-hmm. that maybe have a more mature expression of yeah. that gift and how you delineate between how you graduate to one mm-hmm. you know i guess that's mm-hmm. and and if that reading of ephesians is right in terms of like they're the ones equipping the saints for the work of ministry yeah. then it's somebody that hasn't just been gifted uh with a function they've also been um they've been uh, anointed for a role yeah. mm-hmm. so like god has raised that person up in the church to carry responsibility spiritual mm-hmm. authority, spiritual mm-hmm. authority. Yeah. Mm-hmm. um and that is just as much of a spirit guided practice as the gifts that's why paul tells timothy like don't be hasty in the laying on of hands mm-hmm. and so that's something that's like you're really to consider to give weight to yep. to hear from the holy spirit on yeah um and to be led by the holy spirit in, in choosing those people and raising them up and so uh that's good that mm-hmm. that i think is also part of yeah it. i was thinking about you know how you said someone who kind of uses that like office of something mm-hmm. your kind of radar mm-hmm. goes up a little bit my radar always <laughs> goes up a little bit when someone does that and they're like 35 yeah. Like when I think about apostles in the body of Christ, I think of the Frank Damasios, right? Yeah, yeah, I yeah. think of Phil, Phil Pringle, Pringle, like people yeah. who are just like, they're not 40. They are, they have years and years of authority behind them. And almost, it's almost as if many, many people have started calling them, them that before they ever even acknowledge that that's what they were. I don't know. You can tell me if that's right or wrong, but. Yeah, I don't know. If I don't know. I may just start calling myself apostle. Yeah, I think you should. I, I do think you have a, a massive point, though, in terms of um, if you're that young and you're self-describing yourself in in that kind of way, you probably should take a beat and just like chill out a just little take bit. A, yeah, mean, take get, a second. Get a few more runs under your belt. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't even like saying like pastor like that's but that's probably me but I, like if someone calls me i just i don't try to make them feel awkward but i'm just like if someone calls you pastor yeah like if it's just maybe if, like maybe in church is fine but like when it's we're just hanging out i'm like i don't feel like that's <laughs> just my, my i'm not trying to that's a whole nother can of worms in the pentecostal <laughs> yeah. world right there i know bro. right how <laughs> would i try to you know <laughs> yeah downplay anyone that does do that or yeah i mean i you know i got saved and all i knew was my pastor was pastor yeah it wasn't pastor Fillmore. it was like it's just pastor. It was pastor yeah yeah, yeah. so you know nothing really i can kind of you got i'm kind of good with with whatever and i just think people have different touch touch not my anointing touch not my anointing not my anointing yeah yeah i think in our day there's um like familiarity is pretty pervasive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's, I think it's, this is my kind of my one thought on that whole thing. Cause it always gets tied into like honor and mm-hmm. um, weight. 
mm-hmm. you know. I, I think it's good for people of our generation to like to to be reminded that this person who yeah. supposedly has spiritual authority in my life mm-hmm. um, that I actually give weight to their words. Mm-hmm. So I, I I think that that's not a bad thing. Referring to people as uh, pastors, I don't think is a biblical thing. Mm. I don't think that it's certainly not biblically required. <laughs> um, and well, in some instances, we may be. That's pretty controversial. Is it? I mean, it could be. Know. I've never been in the context. Are you saying it's, it's it's not biblical to? It's not mandated. It's not a biblically mandated no. thing. It's right? a personal preference. Mm-hmm. I think it's a personal preference, and I think it it comes down to, um, what kind of, uh, cultural things you're coming up against. Yes. So if, that's what it, I was gonna. That yeah. that's where I always fall with it. Yeah. You know. And I do think in places like New York and and Los Angeles, there's a high degree of familiarity. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and I think it's good for people to like yep. be kind of like recognize. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I've heard, I've heard people make a case for not using the term pastor for the opposite reason, right? They're in a culture where a lot of the people in their church came from a situation where it was very much like man of God, man of God. Right. And so their reasoning for basically telling people, Hey, don't call me pastor is because that's a culture they're trying to yeah. break. So I think you're right. It's, yeah, it's so a, much cultural. It's, yeah. it's always hard for me. Like, I, I feel weird if I don't call someone yeah. who I look up to as a pastor. I, mean, I, I will always do it. pastor something. Yeah, that's yeah, just yeah, yeah. the I way that I yeah. am. I'll I'll even do it too. Like I I try to do it in our church when I'm speaking to our team of pastors as well. Um, in front of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I want them to like, yeah, look to this person. Yep. They yeah. should carry weight in your mm-hmm. life. Yeah. Um, I would just say it's, it's purely a cultural thing. Uh, and if you're in a church and you're like, they, they do it or they don't do it. And it's different than what you're used to, like, forget about what you're used to. Yeah. Just get into the culture yeah, yeah, yeah. and be a part of the church that you're that's in. Good. Mm-hmm. That's really good. And, um, if that's part of it, then be like, cool, just readily embrace it. Mm-hmm. That's really yep. good. Yep. Yeah. Don't be purposely like antagonistic. Right. Though. Yeah, if you have a question, ask a question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I like that. Especially but if you're in our church, please start calling me Bishop Apostle. 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 Apostle Michael. So <laughs> ridiculous. Okay. The train is off the tracks. Fellas, thank you. Thank you. I enjoyed this. So more, it was awesome having you in church, man. The church loved you so much. I enjoyed it. I it enjoyed good. it. It was so fun. You guys have a great church. For those that don't know, Michael and Pastor Jake. You know? <laughs> uh, they are, they lead C3 LA. It's an amazing church. So if anyone in the LA area, make sure you check out Highland Park or the South Bay. Yep. Got this. Mm-hmm. Or location. Yeah, I gave my language right. Is it location? Location. 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 But amazing. I enjoyed it. Thanks for having me. Yep. Thanks for coming on the Vast Podcast, bro. Friend of the podcast. Always around. Always, always the open invite. I love the good pod. Yeah, man. We love you. We'll talk to you all next week. Bye.